Amen. Thank you for this opportunity, Aaron. Thank you, Pastor. He's probably watching online or watch it later. Hey, Pastor. <laughs> Thank you for this opportunity. I'm just so honored tonight to be able to bring you this word. It only happens a few times. I always have to, or I always get to teach our people in CMI all the time about the word of God. And I'm so glad about the opportunity. It helps sharpen me, sharpen the word of God in my life, but also helps them, right, bringing the word of God into their lives and making it something that's real, something that's feasible and practical, right, in an everyday context. And I just want to kind of go over a little bit the pursuing God theme. When you look at the theme all throughout tonight, you're going to see some things about pursuing God that maybe not different or something that you haven't heard before, but it's a reminder. It's a reminder and a refresher, right, on what the pursuit of God is. What am I pursuing in this walk? Because sometimes we forget, right? A trial comes on, uh, comes along, and it's, it's hard and it gets tough, and we forget about the provision, right, of God. We forget about that he is our shepherd, right? All these things, but I'm not going to get too deep into it. Everyone here is going to have their own little message, so... <laughs> So let's go to Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 5 and 6. If you could stand for the reading of the word, that would be lovely. (laughs) Jeremiah 23, verse 5 and 6. When you get there, say amen. Thank you, Aaron. Two amens. No one wants to read their Bible tonight. (laughs) Jeremiah 23, 5 and 6. Read off of here. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch. A king shall reign and prosper and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. In his days, Judah shall be saved and Israel shall dwell safely. And this is the name whereby he shall be called the Lord our righteousness. The Lord our righteousness. And... For tonight, I was given the topic to speak on the righteousness of God. But for my title, I'm going to call it Jehovah Sidkenu. Jehovah Sidkenu. The Lord is our righteousness. Jehovah Sidkenu. You can be seated. Thank you. So righteousness isn't always something that's simply understood, right? You read the word and you kind of look for a deeper meaning. You know, with God, a lot of times there's something behind it. Right? So you read righteousness, you say, okay, does it just mean being right? What, you know, is it just right living? And I want to tell you tonight that it is just that, right living. Right living and living in a condition, right, that's acceptable to God, right? Living in a, a state of mind that is right and according to God's word, right? That's what it is. In the Hebrew, right, in the Hebrew times, they often consider righteousness as a means of rightness or justice, a right way of living. And then we get into the Greek, and they get a little bit more advanced, and they say a condition that is approved or acceptable to God. And we can see that in these verses, right? Matthew 6.33 says this, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. I think a, lot, a few times here and there when we read the verse, we forget the part that says, and his righteousness. 
right? That's the, that's the key. That's, that's the door. We have to get through to this point of righteousness. Because if we seek his kingdom without living a right life, what does it mean? What does it mean? We won't reach that door. Psalms 129 verse 4 also says this, The Lord is righteous. He hath cut asunder the cords of the wicked. Right? Or he destroyed every weapon of the enemy formed against you. Right? Righteousness in the biblical context is living in a right way according to the word of God. Now, when I say this, right, I'll repeat it again. Living in a right way according to the word of God sounds like something familiar, right? It sounds like something very similar, and we kind of think about it. Now you think about it now, you're like, oh, I'm trying to get ahead of him. (laughs) But it refers to obedience. And a lot of times if you talk to a preacher or, or maybe even pastor, and they say, okay, describe the word of God in one word. Describe the Bible in one word. Many of them will either say love or obedience. Now, you need love, right, to understand obedience. You need love to understand obedience. But let me tell you about righteousness, right? Righteousness can be replaced in many points and times with obedience because obedience, right, you need obedience to get to righteousness. We need obedience to the word to be in proper alignment with God, Righteousness is the door, and obedience is the key to that door, right? If I'm going to get to that point where I can live a righteous life, a righteous life is on the other side of the door. I I don't have the key to open that door. There's no way I can get in, right? I need access. I need to find somebody who has the keys. Jesus' name. So I get a hold of the keys. I talk to the Savior because he has the keys, (laughs) I opened the door, and now I'm in a righteous living life. And now I can start abiding in that and living in that, partaking in the blessings of a righteous life. Pastor just preached on it about obedience, is that when you receive those blessings, is when you're in obedience to his word. Thank you, Jesus. So we're going to take some of these verses and just look at them and, and put, put obedience in that same place just to get a, a better understanding, right? James 5.16 says, Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that ye, ye may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I'll take that last part again. The effectual, fervent prayer of an obedient man of God or woman of God availeth much. Could you see the similarity there? I'll keep going. <laughs> Righteousness, righteous art thou, O Lord. Psalms 119, verse 137. Righteous art thou, Lord, and upright are thy judgments. Can't really replace that, but <laughs> still gets to the point. <laughs> For the righteous Lord loveth righteousness. His countenance doth behold the upright. The Lord loves obedience. <laughs> the Lord cherishes obedience. He looks at those who are obedient to his word, and he looks at them and says, this thing is good, right? When you look back in Genesis, and he created us, he said, this is according to my word. I formed you out of my breath with my words. Righteous is he. Amen. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me by the paths of obedience for his namesake. Righteousness, obedience. 
So we look at these verses, right? And we go back to Matthew 6, 33, and we read that again. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. We see that there's a moment where we have to do something, where we have to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness if we're going to add these things unto us, if everything's going to be added unto us. And these things, right after that verse, it says, don't worry about tomorrow, right? Because God will provide these things when you follow his word. And we read in Psalms 4 or 5, I also want to give this reference because I'm going somewhere. I promise you I'm going somewhere. The offer, Psalms 4, chapter 4, verse 5. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. The offer of sacrifices of righteousness. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness. There's sacrifices in righteousness. There's, there's some sacrifice that you have to make to become obedient to the word of God. When you take on his word, there's some shackles that have to leave. You're going to have to hand them back to the enemy because they're not for you. Right? There's some things that you're going to have to take off, those weights that have been holding you down. It's time to take on the garment of praise, right? It's time to take on that oil of joy in your life. It's going to require some sacrifices, though, because our flesh is used to it. Our flesh is used to dealing with the anxiety in our life and micromanaging it or not managing it at all, right? The pain and all these things, we've gotten used to the enemy bullying us, right? But it's time to make some sacrifices, right? To get obedient in, in the word of God. So these things, these shackles will immediately leave, right? They don't have any place. The thing about God is why, and why he says he's righteous is because when you're in his presence, sin can't be there. Sin can't abide there. So you take on his obedience. You live an obedient lifestyle. Sin can't abide anymore with an obedient man and woman of God. A child of God can't have any place with sin. Thank you, Jesus. So obedience requires sacrifice. Obedience requires some sacrifice. And you can even see it in the story of Hosea and Gomer. Where Hosea had to desire to be obedient in the word of God, to the word of God. When God spoke to him, he said, I, I'm going to go, I'm going to do it. And he's at this point with Gomer. Gomer at this point has gone off to be sold. She was a harlot during that time. She goes off to sell herself to anybody who was willing to pay the highest price. And we see this moment where Hosea is talking to God and he's asking him, what's going on? I thought you had provided this woman for me for a particular reason. I thought that everything would go well after this point, God, because you said it would. But God looked at, looked at Hosea and he said, Israel, I want you to understand something about Israel and how I feel whenever they leave me. Hosea was obedient. But it took some sacrifice. God wanted him to sacrifice to understand how he felt. What a privilege. What a privilege to, to experience that and say, God, show me what breaks your heart. And connect me with that. Connect me with that. Because I want to understand. And even in the life of Jesus... Even in the life of Jesus, you can see one of the greatest things about Jesus' life in his testimony 
was that it wasn't just that he died on the cross for us, but that he endured until the cross, until he reached that cross, and he took it, that cross up with joy, and he walked, and he pushed with all those things that had happened to him. He still said, Lord, forgive them, for they know not what to do. He has a righteous purpose, and he's deciding to put that in us. Let's make some real-world context, right? How do we live a righteous life? Well, I, I, don't, I don't get it. You know, you said all these things, and maybe it sounds relevatory, but no, nah, you're wasting your time. <laughs> but a real-world context for living righteous is following his word, right? So living that holy lifestyle, right? And not just holy in how we dress and what we wear, but also holy in the way that we speak. We want to glorify God with our lives. My lips, I want to give life and not death. <laughs> I want to worship him every day, give him my time, sacrifice my time, because obedience requires sacrifice. And it's worth it in the end. You can look at Jesus' life and you can see it was worth it all for me. <laughs> It was worth it all because he was obedient until the end and sacrificed his life. That's what it took to be obedient to God. So I want to read just a couple more verses and leave you with a few words. Psalms 145, verse 17, the Lord is righteous in all his ways and the Lord and holy in all his works. Psalms 55, 22, cast thy burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. He shall never suffer the obedient to be moved. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Every day Jesus is calling us to a place of alignment, right? A place of obedience to his word. And we see many times, especially in the book of Psalms, righteousness was mentioned 150 times by David. He valued righteousness in his life. And he's, every time he spoke about God, he said, God, is, you're righteous. Lord, you're true. Lord, you're the best thing that's ever happened to me. Right? And he's calling us to that place today where obedience and alignment with him, right, to be a righteous man of God, a righteous woman of God, that not just our prayers will avail much, but our efforts, our investment, Bible studies, right, connect groups, everything that we do in the church will be blessed with an obedient lifestyle to God. There's no way, there's almost no way to live an obedient life and not be blessed by God. That's the key. That's the key. Jesus still calls for obedience. What are you willing to sacrifice? Thank you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I wonder if one, for one second, can we just lift our hands and just receive that word? 
God, I want to be righteous, Lord, Lord, as you are righteous, God. And I know for that to happen, Lord, I need your grace, God, and I need your mercy, Lord, working in my life, God. God, because I want to be like you, Lord. God, help me, Lord, to be obedient, Lord. Help me to follow your word, God. Help me to get into your word, God, Lord, so I can know what it means to be righteous, God, to live righteous, Lord, in an ungodly world. In the name of Jesus, amen, amen. Can we clap our hands to the Lord? Thank you, Roel, for that word. Mm, I love that. Righteousness is the door. Obedience is the key. We got to obey the word of God. Our next speaker tonight is Sister Mallory Stevenson. Uh, Stevens, Sister Mallory uh, is heavily involved with our missions department. You probably saw her on the stage uh, like two Sundays ago, giving an awesome missions presentation. She has a heart for missions, uh, and she has a word for us tonight. So why don't you clap your hands and welcome Sister Mallory to the stage. Good evening. How's it going? <laughs> I am a little nervous. I've done this once before, and I'm just as nervous as I was the very first time. So uh, just bear with me. Um, so our topic is pursuing God and pursuing a holy, or sorry, pursuing a lifestyle. My topic is holiness of God. I kind of want to talk to you about on pursuing a holy lifestyle and how to maintain that. Um, so I just want to start with something really simple. Um, what is holiness? holiness? Holiness has a lot of meanings. If I was to ask you, it could be, um, oh, I know how you dress. It could be what's inside your heart or being like God. And all those things are holy. All those things all involve holiness in their own way. But holiness is so much deeper than that. It's not just what meets the eye. It's on what's the inside. Because if you're holy on the inside, it shows on the outside through your actions, through your dress, through your friends, through how you speak. There's so much more to it than that. And it's not optional. It's essential for a Christian lifestyle. So, <laughs> um, so I kind of want to talk about holiness as an adjective. I believe holiness is really an action, but we're just going to say it's an adjective tonight, which it is. It's a characteristic. Um, you use it to describe someone or something. And I hope when I say someone, you automatically think of God. He's the holy of all holies. In the Bible, he is described as holy numerous times in many different verses and many different stories and many situations. It describes his character, how good he is, the power and authority that he holds. There is none like him. The word holy is very unique. You can't just throw that word around. You can't say, oh, well, that TV is really holy. You, it's not something like that. God is unique, so he needs a unique word to describe him, which is the word holy. Um, holiness means to be separated or unique. We as a church, hopefully we are separated from the world. We don't dress like them. We don't speak like them. We don't do actions like them. So with holiness, you're striving to be like God. He's holy, and we want to be holy, so we're striving to be like him in any ways that we can. However, we won't 100% get there. We're not perfect. God knows that. He didn't create us to be perfect because he's perfect. And even though we say that we're supposed to be like him, we're not always going to be exactly like him. But we should strive to be like him. Um, I kind of want to go to the verse, 1 Peter chapter 1. I don't kind of want to go there. I actually do want to go there. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 15 to 17. Um, I didn't give Edward my scriptures, but he has them up there. That's awesome. 
Um, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. And if ye call on the Father, who without, res without respect of persons judgeth according to the every man's work, pass the, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. Or here in fear, yes. Um, holiness, it should be in everything that we do. It shouldn't just be when we come to church. It shouldn't be when we're in front of our friends that are at church. It shouldn't be in front of pastor. We should be holy in all aspects of our life. That's how we witness. That's how we bring people to church. God is holy because he's perfect. He's separated from sin. Um, God commands us to be like him every day. So when we're listening to stuff, we should really think to ourselves, mm, would he be okay with me listening to this? It's trendy and a lot of people are listening to it, but does that really make it right? Or when we're watching, would we be watching a show on Netflix or something like that? Any, whatever you think or whatever you want to do. Just kind of imagine him there. If, is he okay with you doing that? Is he okay with what's on that screen? He's, which usually, in the case, just think of that. But even when we're thinking, we should always kind of have thoughts that are of him, not of... When we get stressed, a lot of time our minds wander, and it can take us to places that we didn't even think we could go there. So sometimes it's just important to keep praying and keep doing those things to keep your thoughts focused and where they're meant to be. He sees our every action, he sees our every move, and our every thought. He knows what we're going to do before we even do it. He knows we're not perfect, yet he gives us the motivation and tools to at least try to be like him, to try and strive to be like him. Um, there's a new song that came out. It's by Corey Asbury, and it's called The Father's House. I've been listening to it on repeat because I just love the song so much. Um, in the song, there's a line that says, you never wanted perfect, all you wanted was my heart. And as I said before, he created us. God's perfect. He can't create anything that's just as perfect as him. I mean, he could, but he would never do that. But, <laughs> um, you know, even though we're not perfect, he doesn't expect us to be. All he wants is for us to run to him and chase after him. He knows that we're going to mess up. He knows there's going to be temptations. So instead of hiding from that and keeping those sins within you and letting them attach to you, he just wants you to run to him and help you live that holy lifestyle that you desire to live. Um, holiness is also something that relates to purity. So the Holy Spirit, that word holy, um, obviously, you know, that's God in the formation of Holy Spirit, but um, it purifies you. When you have that within you, you're not going to want to have a desire to do those things anymore. You're going to look at things differently. You're going to want to be pure. You're going to want to be holy. You're going to want or have a desire to do the things of him. There are a few accounts in the Bible where God relates um, purification and holiness. Um, there's two characters I want to bring up. The first is Isaiah. Um, I'm not sure if any of you are familiar with these stories. I've heard them, but I never re always remember them because they're not those big ones. But they are important. It says um, Isaiah had a vision that he was impure and he needed God's grace. He needed something, and the things that he was doing was not satisfying him. So he went to the temple, and God used a burning coal to purify him. So purification 
or sorry, holiness, it purifies you. And it doesn't have to be like God coming down here and saying, you're healed, you're holy, you're pure. He can do that, but he also can use just random objects. Like he used a burning coal to purify Isaiah, and he came out and he was pure. Um, Next is Ezekiel. He had a vision also. They were at different times. Um, He had a vision that God... Um, allowed holiness and mercy to flow out of the temple, and everything it touched in the land was made pure. It was clean. So how powerful is that, that everything that is like something that God poured out into the earth, it purified everything that it touched. That's how powerful he is. And holiness, to me, it means kind of authority. He, like, he doesn't have, no one has to command him or tell him, yeah, okay, God, you can do that. You can purify that land. No, he does it himself because he has the authority to do that. God can display his power and holiness in the craziest ways. Like, I think it's, I don't know why, but I thought it was so funny. I'm like, he used a piece of coal to purify someone. And to me, that's just crazy. You know, you wouldn't think of those, that's something that's like a burning coal that's black, it's dark. It's not very pretty, but he used it to make something pretty again, to make something pure again. Um, he does not have to always have a big like scene going on when it happens. Nothing can hold back his holiness. You're called for him for a reason. He calls you to be holy for a reason. He gives you all these things for all these tools and all these like visions like they had. He gave them to them to kind of lead them and guide them back into a place that they needed to go again because they weren't living holy. They weren't living that holy lifestyle that they know they should have. All he wants for us to do is to strive and not take for granted what he has put in our life to help us maintain that. So you might be asking yourself, um, what are some tools I can do to pursue a holy lifestyle? What are some things I can do to maintain something as important as that? Um, In 2 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 1, it says, having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, Let us cleanse ourselves and all the filthiness of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So your flesh is going to want to not live that holy lifestyle. Your spirit, however, it will. So they kind of have those battles going on. Um, Here are just some things that I think are important to maintain a holy lifestyle, some things that I myself try to do. And I'm not saying these because I'm some holy, awesome girl up here, because I'm not. I'm imperfect, I have my flaws, I have my temptations, but these are some things that I do um, just to keep me in check, making sure I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, The first thing is, it's all in the ears, it's all in what you listen to. I often find myself, whenever I'm usually not living how I should be, or I'm struggling with something, it really is what I'm listening to. And that can be for music, it can be for TV shows, Um, I don't normally listen, I only listen to really Christian music, but it can also be in what your friends are saying. Um, At school, sometimes at school um, and college, you're having to do group projects. And I'm not saying you can pick and choose everyone, but sometimes their language isn't always the nicest. And sometimes those words, without even you realizing, they cross your mind because you're surrounding yourself by it. Um, Last, I can't remember... It was the first Sunday of this month. I spoke to the middle school class. Um, The message was slow to speak and quick to listen. Um, In the Bible, God says for us to be slow to speak, quick to listen, and slow to anger. Um, This can really come from anything. When situations arise, 
A lot of the time we just want to be like, not saying what we really should be saying. Um, you know, we make comments. We're very quick to fight back. We're very quick to say things that aren't, very the, that aren't the nicest. Instead, we should really be listening, taking in what that person's saying, taking in what the word is saying. And this even relates to God. When you're praying, sometimes we're so quick to just let it all out at him. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but we're so quick just to talk to him. And it's good to do that, but sometimes it's nice just to listen to what he has for you. Just sitting there with your prayer music on, being quiet, and just listening to what he has for you. So just being slow to speak and quick to listen. Um, holiness is something that comes from the inside. It's so we can expect. So how can we expect to be pure like God if we're not willing to clean up our outside? And that can be your appearance, but also just your surroundings. If you're not surrounding yourself with that good music, I forgot where I'm going with that point. But um, it, some things may be trendy. Some things may be cool. Some things may look interesting. But are you willing to use that and jeopardize your holiness for it? Um, my next point is your surroundings. And who and where are the two specific things I want to talk about. Um, don't let those, um, those people, I want to talk about the subject of friends. A lot of the time we, I'm sure in here we're all very friendly. We're friends with a lot of people. We love people. We love talking to them. We're social. At least some of us are. Um, but you should be quick to choose who your friends are. You shouldn't be willing to be friends with them and that jeopardize your holiness because that so-called friends words about you or about other people that affects you more than you think. Because you'll notice yourself suddenly starting to judge people just because of what that friend does because you think it's cool what they're doing. Or at work, if a coworker isn't, if they don't want to do something and they're like, well, it was because blah, blah, blah's fault. Like, this is why I'm doing this. And you find yourself becoming kind of bitter and angry for no reason just because what that person is saying and putting into you. You're like listening to it. You're letting it affect you. Um, and I'm not saying you can't be friends with these people because you're supposed to be friends and kind to all people because sometimes those relationships can allow witnessing and saving souls. But you should just be wise in how often you put yourself around it. So that's my, your surroundings, who, and then my where. Um, this can be literally and figuratively. I want to go with the more figurative route. Um, sometimes in your life, it is complete opposite of where someone else is. You have a desire to be where that best friend of yours is, but you're five steps behind them. And that's okay. You're not supposed to be exact with everyone all the time. Your holy lifestyle is the opposite of theirs. Everyone gets to a holy lifestyle at different times and at different paces. You know, God knows that. He's willing to work with you on those things. You should never be willing to give up your holiness for the world's temptations and be wise in your surroundings. Um, my second part of the who, the your surroundings who, um, know who you are. You know yourself better than anyone other than God. You guys know, you and God know what you're capable of. You know what you can handle. You know what your holiness looks like. So just be aware of who you are. Um... I'm almost done, no worries. Um, my last part, all of you know the word of God is powerful and it is the most important thing on this earth to read and keep beside you and to hold within. 
um, he gives us the word for directions and for inspiration. He wants us to have goals to reach in life. And those words that he speaks to us about maintaining a holy lifestyle and maintaining something clean and pure, he gives us directions. He literally says in the Bible specific things. It's just all about how you understand and how you interpret it. Um, you never can be perfectly holy, as I said before, but he has a desire for you to try. That's all he wants for you is just to try. Um, one verse I want to end with is wherewithal shall I, oh, sorry, Psalms chapter 119, verse 9. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. God will purify your steps and he'll guide you in his way. He will help you live a holy, clean lifestyle if you were willing to give up some things and allow him to do what he has to do. If you follow after him in all inward holiness, then, all, then allow, the whole, whole, uh, allow the inward holiness to take place. Then the rest will fall where it should. You will notice you will have a desire to dress modestly, talk like a Christian, listen to Christian music, greet that brethren or that sister without making judgments that you should not be making. You'll have a desire. Your whole demeanor on life will change. So just be willing and be open to allowing him to work inside you and help you maintain and live that holy lifestyle. Again, can we lift our hands to the Lord right now and receive that? God, I want to be holy, Lord, as you are holy. God, I want to follow after your word, God. God, won't you teach me, God, what it means to be holy, God. Teach me, Lord, what it means to be like you, God. Share your heart with us tonight, God. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Uh, our next speaker tonight uh, is someone who's really special to our team. Uh, you guys know recently we uh, kind of transitioned uh, into having a youth team uh, ran youth group. And uh, so we, we've seen some really cool events. Uh, and we've seen some really cool things happen. And it's really all because of Gretchen Wilson. She actually does it all. I know we say it's a team, but she's actually the one pulling the strings. She's the one organizing. She's the one, if you get text messages, she's the one sending them out. Uh, and so please welcome the mastermind of the youth group, the person who holds it all together, Gretchen Wilson. Praise the Lord, church. Praise the Lord, church. There's a verse in the Bible that said, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, which means to me, I can tell how good or how great your God is based on your praise. So if he's an okay God, it's okay to give him an okay praise. But if he's a good God, it's okay to give him a good praise. And if he's a great God, it's okay to give him a great praise. So let's go ahead and praise the name of the Lord God Almighty tonight. I know it's Wednesday night, but we can still lift up the holy name of God. We can still worship. We can still praise him because he is deserving of all glory and honor and praise. Amen. Hallelujah. So... I want to thank Pastor. I know he's not here, but I want to thank him for this opportunity. <laughs> I want to thank my youth leader. I guys, I have a secret. Um, Aaron actually likes your kids, okay? So he's doing a great job running the youth program. And so I do ask you guys to keep him in your prayers because it is a lot to deal with all your wonderful, beautiful kids. Okay, so um, my segment is going to be on the mercy of God. And a lot of times I know we kind of um, merge mercy and grace together because I know I do. Like I pray, I'm like, thank you for your mercy and grace. And you don't think that, sometimes you forget that it's like two completely different things. Um, grace is getting something that we do not deserve. Good gifts in spite of what we do. I wish Luke was here because I'm actually using him as an example. If you hang out with Luke Kyle, you know he loves Teslas. 
And a modern example of grace would be God giving him the newest Tesla when his bank account really says a 1998 Toyota Corolla with two doors, uh, three seatbelts, and no windshield. <laughs> Um, and then mercy, mercy, I have an example from the Bible. It's when there, the woman was caught in the act of adultery. It wasn't that people heard whisper, they were rumors about her, but she was actually caught in the act. And she was brought to Jesus so that she could be stoned to death because that's how, the, according to the Mosaic law, that's how it would have been handled. She would have been killed. And Jesus handled it to where everybody that wanted to, to kill her left. And he looked at her and he said, go and sin no more. Because God's mercy extends to those who, not, who are not deserving. Amen. So um, my main scripture is from Ephesians 2, verse 1 to 5. Ephesians 2, verse 1 to 5. And it says, and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses in sin, in which you once walk according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath just as the others. But God, everybody say, but God. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loves us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. So the title of this segment is called But God. So let's go. I'm going to go ahead and pray before I start. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy and your kindness and your favor. God, I thank you for the fact that you brought us here today, Lord Jesus. God, I ask of you to use me as your mouthpiece. Let it not be my words, but let it be your words that you want to speak to the heart of your people. God, let there be seeds planted in our hearts that we may leave this place changed, wanting to be different. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. So when you say, but God... I feel like you don't really have to explain yourself. It reminds me of when I was younger. My mom's right there. She can testify. But when I was younger and my mom would take me places and I would start acting a fool, she would turn around and give me this look. And that look told me everything I needed to know. It's, it was like, if you don't sit down somewhere, you're about to get the biggest whooping of your life. Like, it's, it, she didn't have to explain that to me. I just knew that. And so when you say, but God, you don't really have to explain what you're trying to say. I was a drug addict, but God. I had cancer, but God. I wasn't qualified for this job, but God. I was an alcoholic, but God. I didn't have money for this car, but God. I was depressed. I was suicidal, but God. They said I couldn't have kids. But God, I had kids and they made it. But God. So when you say but God, you don't really have to explain what you're trying to say. Amen. When we look at mercy, the mercy of God, we see that mercy is at the core of who God is. I was listening to this preacher and he was talking to his congregation. You guys can answer the questions if you want. And he said, if you look at biblical history, what nation was the holiest nation? And the answer would be Israel. If you look at the land of Israel, where was the holiest city? The answer would be Jerusalem. If you look at the city of Jerusalem, which was the holiest location? Anybody? No? Okay. The answer was Temple Mount. If you looked inside the temple, what was the holiest place? And the answer is the Holy of Holies. And when you look at the Holy of Holies, when you enter the Holy of Holies, you find the mercy seat. 
The mercy seat was the covering for the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of Covenant held the covenant, I mean, I'm sorry, the commandments and the law that Jesus gave to Moses. And so once a year, a priest will go into the Holy of Holies and sprinkle the blood of sacrifice upon the mercy seat so that the nation of Israel can be cleansed from their sins. And so mercy seat means covering or propitiation. You guys, I might not be saying that word or good, but bear with me. So the mercy seat meant covering. And so in the New Testament, we see that Jesus Christ becomes our propitiation or our covering. Jesus became our mercy seat. So his blood covers all our sins. And we're able to go before God blameless and acceptable because Jesus pays the price, not just for us, but for the whole world. Amen. And I believe that the greatest act of mercy was the manifestation of Christ, of God as Jesus Christ. He saw humanity. He saw we needed help, had compassion, and knew that if he didn't do something, we were not going to make it to heaven. And so he sent Jesus Christ as the propitiation for our sins. And now we're able to dwell in the Holy of Holies, which in the Old Testament was just for one person. It was just for the high priest. And now we're able to go before God. He's able to see it. He accepts us as we are. He meets with us. He speaks to us. He gets on our level. And it's not because we're deserving or because we're righteous or abide by the law 24-7. Because our righteousness is as filthy rags. Even on our best day, we're still not good enough. Amen. Psalm 103, 10 to 11 says, He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are as high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards those who fear him. The number of times God shows you mercy are not numbered. Amen? Psalm 103, verse 17 says, But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. And Lamentations 3.22 says, It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. God is merciful by choice. He is a loving God. He cares for his people. And it doesn't diminish the fact that he's still powerful, that he still sits on the throne, and that he will still fight your battles. Amen? The power of God can be seen in what he chooses not to do. Because let's be real, God can destroy us in a blink of an eye. He could be like the time of Noah and wipe all you guys out. But he's patient with us. He's patient. He's giving us time to know him. He's giving everyone time to get to know that he's here for them. And even when we turn our backs on God, he's still pursuing us. He lets us know that we can always run back into his arms. Second Chronicles 30 verse 9 says, For if you return to the Lord, your brethren and your children, children will be treated with compassion for the Lord your God is gracious and merciful and will not turn his face from you if you return to him it's by the mercy of God that we're going to make it to heaven God said in Romans 9 15 verse 16 I will have mercy on whomever I will have mercy and I will have compassion on whomever I will have compassion so then it is not by him who wills nor of him who runs but of God who shows mercy before you even made your way to this altar God's mercy was already pulling you in God's mercy made you into a new creation. God's mercy made you an individual not defined by your past. And by his mercy, we're going to reach our destiny. Amen. And even when we become a part of the body of Christ, his mercy does not stop there. We don't. um, But sometimes after being in church for so long and you're now a little bit more put together and you look good and you look like a Christian, we tend to forget 
how merciful God was towards us. And then we look at the people in the world and we look at new converts and we judge them. And Paul rebuked that in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 11. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And then he said, and such were some of you. They, the people that you're judging, were you at one point. We forget how merciful God was towards us, and we have this holier-than-thou attitude. And the only difference between them and you is Jesus. And if you, Because you didn't work to get to where you were right now. If it wasn't for the mercy of God, you wouldn't be where you were. If you could work your way to righteousness or to save yourself, you would have done it before you became a Christian. Amen? So it is by the mercy of God that we are where we are. And so if he can do it for you, he can do it for them. They are never too far down that God can't lift them up. God extends his mercy to those in need. He extends his mercy to those seeking salvation. Righteous people don't go seeking after mercy. Broken people do. In Isaiah 55, verse 7, it says, Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. God is merciful to us all. And he's giving everybody the chance, like I said, to know him. Matthew 24, verse 14 said, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. And so that's why I believe that we as Christians, we are to continue, continue praying for our family members because, because of our prayers through the mercy of God, God will show them mercy and God will touch on their hearts and bring them into the kingdom of God. Amen. Hallelujah. And while some of us forget about um, the mercy of God, some of us just don't understand mercy. And so we walk around feeling condemned all the time. We live in a constant fear, like the next mess up I do, God is going to disown me. And you know, we're not going to have a close relationship with God anymore. And God is the loving father. He's not going to disown you because he claimed you before you were even a Christian. When you make a mistake, the best thing for you to do is to fall into the merciful hands of God. King David understood the mercy of God. After sleeping with Bathsheba and causing the death of her husband Uriah and Nathan talking to David, David realized that he should die. And David cries out to God in Psalm 51 and says, have mercy on me, upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. When you fall, and as humans we fall, we make mistakes, the best place for you to fall is in the mercy, is the hands of God, the merciful hands of God. <laughs> Psalm 94, verse 18 says, if I say my foot slips, your mercy, O Lord, will hold me up. There's not a sin that you can commit that the blood of Jesus Christ will not cover. And so Paul gave himself an ex as an example in 1 Timothy 1 verse 13. He basically says that he was the worst of the worst, but God showed him mercy. And if God can show Paul a murderer, a blasphemer mercy, he can show you mercy. And Hebrews 4, verse 15 and 16 says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was all in points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. God doesn't save us and say, well, this has been fun. You're on your own. Good luck. 
this walk is a process and he makes himself available to us. And through it all, he's able to help us finish this race strong. So now that I've talked about a little bit about mercy, um, the Bible also tells us how, um, what we should do as receivers of God's mercy. Matthew 5 or 7 says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. So we are to be merciful to other people. Um, Psalm 86, verse 12 to 13 says, I will praise you, O Lord, my God, with all of my heart, and I will glorify your name forever, for great is your mercy towards us. So because of God's mercy, mercy, <laughs> lol, just kidding. Okay, because of God's mercy, we are to praise and worship him with all our hearts. Psalm 89, verse 1 and 2 says, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth, I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. So because of the mercy of God, we should become the mouthpiece of God. Micah 6, verse 8 said, He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? We are to be compassionate towards one another. We are to be kind. We are to see the hurting heart behind the hurting words and not be offended. We, are, should, we should be willing to forgive, and we should be willing to be patient with each other. And we shouldn't bring up each other's past after it's been covered by the blood. So as Christians, we are to be Christ-like and show each other mercy. Thank you. Praise God. Hallelujah. We bless the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on and worship God. Come on. Can you give God some praise? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. What a blessing it is to hear the word of God preached from young men, young women, encouraging us in the Lord. Hallelujah. They're the future, praise God. They're the one that's going to be here when some of us are gone. They're going to be lifting up that banner and fighting that enemy, praise God. I thank God for the word. I thank God for the young people that God is raising up. Hallelujah. We have an army here. We have some men and women that's knowledgeable, that have the knowledge of God. They know the God they serve. And the Bible says in the book of Daniel, they that know their God will do exploit and we're looking to do great things in these last days these young people are going to do great things they're not going to fall away they're not going to be by the wayside with their heads down but they're going to be turning to flight the armies of the scorpion and the demons hallelujah they're going to be doing great things for god Come on, let's worship. Let's give God thanks. Let's thank God for our young people, for our children, for our grandchildren. Let's thank God for the word of God that's dwelling in their heart. The word that, of God that's going to keep them. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. We're going to wrap it up tonight. Praise God. But I just want to share Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 18. It says, but we are not come unto the mount that might be touched and that burned with fire nor unto blackness and darkness and tempest, and to the sound of a trumpet, and the voice of words, and the voice that they heard entreated that the word should not be spoken anymore. For they could not endure that which was commanded. For it, for it says, and if so much as a beast touch the mountain, it shall be stoned or trust true with a dart. It's talking about that mount that Moses went upon. When he came down, the Bible said it was earthquake. It was lightning. The holy mount, Mount Sinai. They weren't able to touch that mount. They weren't able to go up unless God allowed them to go up. Hallelujah. The Bible said we are not come to that mount that can be touched. Hallelujah. But the next verse. 21. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. 
Verse 22, but he are come unto Mount Zion, praise God, and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels. Hallelujah. To the general assembly and the church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirit of just man made perfect, praise God, this heavenly Jerusalem, we cannot touch it. We only can receive it by faith. It's not the natural one that's going to shake and quake. We have to enter in by faith, praise God. It's not visible, praise God. It's coming from above. It's not on this earth, praise God. I want you to tell you, God, have a glory. If I should tell you about the glory of God, he saved the best for last. He gave us the kingdom that cannot be shaken. It's a kingdom that cannot be shaken. We don't have to fear our God, but we come boldly in his presence, hallelujah, because we have a general assembly, a church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, praise God. God and I love verse 24 it says and to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel and I thought about the blood of Abel Abel was murder and his blood was crying out judgment his blood was crying out punishment his blood was crying out vengeance but the blood of Jesus it cries out mercy the blood of Jesus said father forgive them for they know not what they have done the blood of Jesus is crying out for this generation it wants to save God did not come to condemn we heard the word of God that my sister preached. She said we were all, some of us was all partaker of the sin. Hallelujah. But thank God for Jesus. Thank God for the new covenant. Thank God for the blood of Jesus that cleanses and washes, purifies our hearts. Hallelujah. I'm going to wrap it up. Verse 25. And see that he refused not him which speaketh. For if they escape not, and refuse him that spake and heard, much more shall they not escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven. We have a better covenant. Hallelujah. Whoso voice then shook the earth, but now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word, yet once more, signified the renewing of those things that are shaken as of things that are made. And those things which cannot be shaken may remain. The mountain was shaken, but we don't, we don't have that Mount Zion in Jerusalem. We don't have that city right there. But our Mount Zion is in heaven. It cannot be shaken. The Bible says in 28, wherefore we receive it a kingdom which cannot be moved. Let us have grace whereby we may serve God uh, acceptable with reverence and godly fear. And I love the verse 29. It says, for our God is a consuming fire. Praise God. Our God is a consuming fire. The God we serve. He's a fire. Glory to God. I don't care what's coming against you. Our God is a consuming fire. Can you stand up and worship your God? Can you get on your feet? Hallelujah. Our God, the God that we serve, there's none like him. His glory, he will not share with another. He's a consuming fire. Hallelujah. I don't know what you may be facing. You may be facing sickness. You may be facing something, but when you go into God, the Bible said the righteous, we run into the Lord and we are saved because our God is a consuming fire. Glory to God. He is a fire. Praise God. Hallelujah. I give him praise tonight. Hallelujah. I worship my God, but there's none like him. There's none like God. There's no other way but this way. There's no other covenant. Everything is already done. Jesus is the only mediator. Praise God. It is finished. 
It is finished. The work is done. Hallelujah. Come on, can you bow your heads at this time? We want to close in prayer. Hallelujah. We want to thank God for the youth of today. We thank God for the word. We thank him for his presence tonight. We thank God for his kingdom that cannot be shaken. We thank God that he is still the consuming fire. That whatever the enemy sent your way, oh, your God is able to burn it, consume it, destroy it by the grace and power of God. He is still the consuming fire. He is still the God that shake, praise God. He said, I'm going to shake not just the earth, but also the heavens, praise God. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, well, God. The God we serve, Jesus the righteous, hallelujah. There's no one else. There's nothing to compare him to. Hallelujah, hallelujah. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Can you just lift your hands? Let's close in prayer. Hallelujah. Father, we give you glory. Oh, God, we thank you now, Lord. We thank you, mighty God, for, Lord, you are God of God. You are King of kings and Lord of Lord. There's nothing to compare you to, Lord. You swear by yourself. Oh, God, you said when you break a promise to Abraham, you swear by yourself because there was no one greater. You said, blessing, I, I will bless you. I will bless you. And, God, you cannot lie. Praise God, we know that we are blessed. We don't have to seek nothing else, God. We just need to seek you. We need you, God, nothing else. Nothing in this world can satisfy. Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus, for your glory. We thank you, God, for your presence with us tonight. We thank you, Lord, for your blessing. We thank you for your goodness, God. We ask you to bless every soul that's here tonight. God, we ask you to remember those that are absent, Lord. We pray your grace and your mercy. Empower us, Lord, for service. Empower these young people, God, that they'll go forward and they'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint, God. In the name of Jesus, God, we thank you, Lord, and we praise you in Jesus' mighty name hallelujah go ahead and greet somebody in jesus name praise god hallelujah 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 god bless you god bless you hallelujah